Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2018. Happy New Year to everybody out there. I hope you rang in the New Year well, had a great time. Hopefully it's just as cold where you are as it is where I am. God, it's cold everywhere right now. But got to talk about what's been going on and what's coming up ahead of us. With every new year comes football playoffs, and I'm here with Shaka to talk about the new year and football playoffs. Happy New Year, Shaka. How you doing? How, how has your 2018 treated you so far? Sam, happy new year to you and your family um, as well. You. Happy new year to all the listeners out there. Uh, so far, so good. I can't complain. It's been a good start to the year, um, and we got some great games coming up this weekend. You know, quite an exciting, you know, week 17. I really liked that the NFL put everything in the middle of the day. It was good not to have any late-night games. It was good to have all that drama. Still can't believe the Cincinnati Bengals. The one shocking thing they did all season was knock the Ravens out in Baltimore on the last play of the game. And just to go a step further, still can't believe the Bengals then gave a two-year extension to Marvin Lewis. Can't believe any of these things. Yeah, I thought that was pretty much the end of his his tour with Cincinnati. And little, I mean, he's got some kind of rapport with upper management there, because I don't know how he's still the coach. Never underestimate the kind of rapport a coach can have. Never underestimate the kind of thing an owner can just like somebody. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, I also want to point out, speaking of the Bengals, Carson Palmer is retiring from football today. Shocking. Well, not entirely shocking, but I thought he'd be around for another year or two. I mean, he did say in his announcement that um, it just felt like time. And look, the guys had a great career. He unfortunately didn't get to play as many games as I think would have probably locked him in for a Hall of Fame position right away. But, I mean, when you look at his numbers, he finished, you know, in the top 15 in pretty much pass completions, passing yards, touchdowns, you know, and attempts. So I just imagine if he hadn't had those all knee injuries, he could have played a couple more full seasons and really stacked up those numbers. I completely agree. He's really been a hell of a talent on the field. Somebody who was always just kind of – the ceiling for what he could do was always held a little lower than normal by the injuries. You know, every time he kind of had a great run, something would go wrong. I just think back to that first playoff game when he got hurt on the first drive of the game. I mean, the Bengals, they had such a great season, and to kind of see it get shelved like that, and every other opportunity he really had, it was always just close but no cigar. I mean, even that time on the Cardinals a few years ago, it, it felt like they were playing over their heads a little bit, even when they did get to the championship game. Yeah, I was always kind of like, man, if they pulled us off, it's going to be amazing. Also, remember, Carson Palmer never even played in his first, uh, in his rookie season. I think John Kitna was still, was it John Kitna? I, the... I believe it was Kitna. So, I mean, just just unbelievable, the amount of uh, just talent just left out there. I mean, I can't really say I have high hopes for uh, Christian Hackenberg to have that kind of career. <laughs> but, you know, just here's, here's hoping. Uh, hey, I, I love your effort there to kind of throw Christian Hackenberg into the same discussion as at least Carson Palmer. Uh, let's get okay. Let's get out of this funk of Week 17 and some of this new news that's come out. Let's look at what's really important this Wild Card weekend. Um, certainly, uh, one of the shocking things to see the Ravens get bumped was to see the Buffalo Bills get in, break their playoff drought after 18 years. You know, after all the shit we talked for the Bills and them starting Peterman, they still managed to squeak their way in. Um, congratulations to them. But now we need to talk about, and, and listen, let's not even, I'm, I don't even want to start with the AFC. We're going to start with the NFC. If, if that, is that all right, Shaka? I'm fine by that. Let's do that. I think these games warrant a little bit more excitement. Whole lot of NFC South this wild card weekend. Let's start off with the Falcons and the Rams. This is going to be 
Probably the first playoff game held at L.A. Coliseum in the last 20 years. I'm sure it's 90-something before there was a game like this that happened. But very different team. We're looking at Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, Sean McVay's explosive offense. Um, now, a few things I want to throw out there before I get your thoughts, Shocker. Some of the things that, that are jumping out at me about this matchup. Because now it's all about matchups. Everybody's even. You know, the playing field is equal now that the playoffs have begun. Um the thing that I see here with the Rams and the Falcons is the Rams are getting hot at the right time. I think their defense is clicking. They're able to actually get a strong pass rush going. The problems they had earlier in the season have started to really kind of right themselves a bit, and they've become pretty tenacious on the defensive side of the ball. And on the offensive side of the ball, I feel like Gurley's game has improved. Like, they've found a better way to incorporate him in the, both the running game and the receiving game which then opens up opportunities for Woods and, and Watkins, and they've just been so inventive and explosive on that side of the ball as well that they're going to be a juggernaut against this Falcons team because with the Falcons, all I see is inconsistency. So give me some of your thoughts because right now I feel like this is a juggernaut of the Rams coming into a Falcons team which could be dangerous, but I don't think they'll be dangerous enough. I don't think they could play you know all four quarters and really outlast this Rams team. Give me some of your thoughts. Well, look, consider this. Deshaun Watson only played six, seven games this season, mm-hmm. and he had 19 touchdowns in that in that span. Uh, Matt Ryan has 20 touchdowns on the whole season. Oof. I, I just really think about just how far off this, uh, this Atlanta Falcons offense has fallen from the team that we looked at last year going into the Super Bowl and saying, man, the Patriots have their hands full. Mm. And then this season, looking at Jared Goff, leading the Rams into a playoff game and having a completely different perception said, man, the Falcons have their hands full with this Rams team. Uh, look, Todd Gurley, I've looked at these numbers over and over and over again, and I've tried to poo-poo it and say, I, you know, all that talk about the MVP uh, is overhyped, but you really can't, when you think about the body of work this guy's put in in a season, we finally get a head coach, not named Jeff Fisher, <laughs> to run the offense, to really kind of force defenses to respect, you know, the pass a little bit. Jared Goff had 3,800 yards passing this season, which I never really – I mean, it's kind of an eye-opening stat to think of because I didn't really think about how much of an impact he had on that offense. But then you look again to Todd Gurley's numbers where he he, he uh, catches, you know, 700 yards receiving. It's just holy crap. Wow. It's just how big a part of the offense this guy is. And just I, – I don't see – what Atlanta has in terms of an answer for Todd Gurley. And uh, look, also factor in, you know, the co-conspirators on this team, Tavon Austin, Cooper Cups had a pretty great rookie um, campaign. And and the offensive line, they brought in Whitworth. That offensive line has played much better than it has in in years past. Look, man, I I love it. I I love this, uh, this Rams team, and it would be a monstrous upset, maybe the biggest upset of the playoffs. If this Falcons team comes in here and just just runs the table on the Rams, I just don't see it happening though. Now, and listen, I totally agree with you. I'm completely leaning towards the Rams in this game. Uh, the thing about the Falcons is it feels like if this was the Seahawks coming in at the sixth seed, you know, I know that the, the Rams have kind of had the Seahawks number in the last game, but there's still this feeling of like they could pull some magic out. Whereas yeah, there's a history. the Falcons, I'm sort of like, this is a team that's waiting to shoot themselves in the foot. This has been their problem all season long because they can have a game 
where they're really stiff on the defensive side of the ball. They get some game-winning interceptions. And, you know, with all of the playoff teams, as I've kind of been, like, preparing and looking at what they've been doing, I've looked at the last month. You know, listen, it's, yeah, there's a full body of work of a season, but what they've done in the last month is pretty darn telling for what they're probably going to do in the month of January. And Atlanta has, they've, listen, they've had some good games where they've slowed the, uh, the game down defensively. You know, Deion Jones and Keanu Neal have really stepped up, and they're, they're playing great football on the defensive side of the ball, but they still have so many issues scoring. And I find them in situations where they almost need to rely on their defense to win the game. And I'm sorry, but this defense, like I feel Atlanta, everything they're going to do is going to last for a half against the Rams. And in the second half, the Rams are going to be able to score two extra touchdowns on them. And, uh, you know, the the Rams defense is probably going to be able to get enough pressure on Matt Ryan that it's going to screw up all their timing and whatever types of excitement or trickery or run game they employ is going to inevitably be crushed or, you know, interrupted enough that they just can't score enough points on this Rams team. They just... In inconsistency. It's like if even on their best day, they could probably keep it a field goal. They could keep it a one field goal game. But but on an average day, I see the Rams destroying them in the second half. Look, I honestly, I even with really, Julio Jones, because you know he could kill them. I really can't find any substantial arguments to counter exactly what you just said. And really, when it comes down to it. It's just putting numbers up. It's, it's kind of running up the score. And those last few games of the season were really, really lackluster. They weren't playing teams, ex- with the exception probably of the Saints, in terms of a defensive stop in the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that they had an excuse for why they couldn't run the score up here. Against Tampa Bay, they barely survived. Yep. The Panthers, I mean, it's just, I'm amazed that you have Julio Jones, who I've said time and time again, is arguably the most physically dominant wide receiver in the NFL. And I mean, he's got three touchdowns receiving on the season. Yeah. You know, it just, I, there's just some kind of disconnect and I, you really have to factor in how much the loss of their offensive coordinator in the off season really played into just having a really, I, I, at the beginning of the season, we gave them the benefit of the doubt. We said maybe they'll kind of turn it around and they just haven't found that magic again. And I really don't see them clicking or at least finding that magic uh, against the Rams this weekend. No, no, I, I, I can't see them putting up enough points on the Rams. I just don't. I, I don't think, you know, this was a team that <clears throat> even a couple of weeks ago, when you look at that game that they squeaked out against the Buccaneers, uh, it was, they like kicked five field goals in the second yeah. half. They had a game that they lost to the New Orleans Saints a few weeks ago where the score looked kind of close, but the reality was they scored a garbage touchdown at the end of the game. Really, the Saints just crushed them defensively where all they could do was score two field goals throughout most of the game. And this was a team that was like, you know, raining touchdowns on people last year. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, some people probably listening think that we're being like particularly hard on the Falcons. But I, when you really look at what they did last year versus this year in terms of the historic numbers, and you come back with almost the same exact personnel, and it's just a like a night and day difference in a team. You know, when you look at what you have, I, granted, Devontae Freeman had concussion issue at one part of the season. When you have a one-two punch like Freeman and Coleman, and you really cannot get—I mean, even a ground game going—to uh, to supplement Matt Ryan's lack of a, a solid pass game, and then you look at the Saints, who pretty much ran the same kind of offense that these guys did last year. Yeah. Less wide receivers, less talented wide receivers. And, uh, like, you know, you have 
you got Melvin Ingram putting up uh, with combination of Kamara. They're putting up like you know the first duo in NFL history to have over fifteen hundred yards from scrimmage. Like you have two running backs who can do it. It can be done in the NFL. And yeah. the Falcons somehow seems to have forgotten how to um, run up the score. I mean, there's a real inventive. There is an inventiveness with how they used Tevin Coleman and. Devonte Freeman last year that they just have not been able to replicate this season. I mean, it's 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 a little bit of you know, I mean that's malpractice from a coaching standpoint if you ask me because both of those guys are monsters. Whenever either one of them goes down, the other one can step right in and carry the load. I mean, the fact that neither the fact that both of them didn't have like five to seven touchdowns this season is, uh, I mean, that's just bad coaching. I think it's dangerous because uh, when you think about the core that they have, this is you know this is a playoff. This should be a playoff every season type of team. But that core is not going to stay together forever. And, you know, who knows? Coleman, once his contract's up, might go looking for a starting job somewhere else. You know, likewise with who knows how uh, Julio Jones feels playing in Atlanta. Maybe he decides he wants to go somewhere else where they can give him the money and the star power to surround him. Well, We'll see. Listen, we'll see how they bounce back next year because I certainly don't think they're winning it this year. I'm picking the Rams. What do you think? Going Rams all the way. Let's stay in the NFC right here because this is a pretty interesting topic to slide right into the Panthers-Saints game because this is what football's all about. Divisional matchup in the playoffs, third time this season. Third time this season this teams are playing each other. And this is an interesting smack-mouth game because both of these teams have been exciting. However... I'm just going to I'm going to start us off. I'm going to come right out and say I think the Saints have the edge. I think the Saints are the team that looks more complete right now. The excitement of their offense of their offense with Ingram and Kamara being able to do it on the ground but also in the passing game with Drew Brees. The screen games, the swing passes, the jet sweeps and the offensive line play which has really performed well with Ramchick like all of these rookies coming in. Marshawn Lattimore on the defensive side of the ball. The defense being a, a ball-hawking defense that also has the ability to kind of, you know, they're not amazing at stopping the run, but they get pressure up there, and their front seven gets disruption of timing. Now, I've been looking, once again, what, what have these teams done in the past month or so? This Saints team, they've poured points on teams. They've been averaging 27, 31 points a game, and they've been slowing other teams down. And when I talk about slowing other teams down, let's talk about the Panthers, because both times that they've played the Saints this season, they've really done jack shit. Saints won both contests, and not only did they win both contests, they won them pretty convincingly. I believe the Panthers were looking kind of decent this season until they got to week three, where the Saints were 0-2, and they needed a win, and they ended up intercepting Cam Newton three times. Right. So you're seeing a defense which is rocking and rolling at the right time of the year in the Saints, you're seeing them know Cam Newton and that Panthers offense, and now they're going to New Orleans. Now, I want to give the Panthers the benefit of the doubt that they'll be able to pull a rabbit out of their hat, but I'm thinking this is going to be Saints, man. I feel like they've just got the recipe to take down this Panthers team, and I don't know. Like, I kind of think the Panthers have more weaknesses. The Panthers' passing game, terrible, terrible. And uh, listen, I've talked a lot. Shaka, give me some thoughts on this game. Give me some of what you see. Well, just to pile on, I think I credit all around to just the strength of uh, rookies and just the impact. Oh, my God. I mean, they've made this whole Saints team. Even the really? Panthers with McCaffrey. McCaffrey's had an outstanding. He's been he's their leading receiver. He's their leading receiver, which, I mean, when you think about how they strip mine 
the wide receiver uh, core that they had and sent Kelvin Benjamin off. I don't think they did it because they felt Christian McCaffrey was the solution. I, I, I'm not really sure still to this day what the plan was with that and if they're maybe kind of strategically building for the future during the season, but they still somehow managed to eke into the playoffs was what they had. And Christian McCaffrey, while not necessarily doing an amazing job on the ground running the football, uh, catching out of the backfield, he's been one of the best hands down this season. Now on the other side, uh, like you said, the, the Saints defense, which was ranked damn near dead last last season, uh, almost in the top 10 this year, which is a, a gigantic turnaround. You really, there's only so much you can explain away how you can get that much of a change in a team. But Marshawn Lattimore, um, right now, in my opinion, is the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. It, definitely definitely a big, big part of that turnaround. Um, also factoring in, of course, uh, Kamara, who put up 700 yards rushing and 800 yards receiving as a rookie running back with uh, an established veteran who I think should be a Pro Bowler every year in Ingram. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. This team so good. So talented, so stocked. Um, I really, really, I think at the end of the day, the question is going to be who can score the most points here. And I, I'm trying to see Cam Newton. I've not been 100% on board with his play for the entire season. I've knocked him a little bit, even though I think he's a mega talent. And it's not entirely his fault. Like I said, he doesn't have the wide receivers around him to really kind of bring out his full potential. So he's really been playing kind of, you know, kind of down, down a man every game. Still, I look, he's got 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. He needs guys to throw to, and he's not going to have them until probably next year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking more on the Saints with this one. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, going back to what I said, the, the Saints are clicking in all the right ways at the right time, and the Panthers, I mean, the Panthers have won some pretty convincing games the last couple of weeks. They have that in them. They have these big games in them because that's what Cam Newton is. He's like a... You know, he's almost like a like a LeBron James or something. He just can turn a whole game, you know. It, it, we're not that far removed from a few weeks ago when they beat the Minnesota Vikings. Pretty convincingly, you know, they and now something else I wanted to highlight, Cam Newton's passing game is not what's being highlighted there. When they beat the Vikings a few weeks ago, they ran all over them. I think Jonathan Stewart had 100 yards rushing and like three rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he had three touchdowns on him, you're right. The only real time that... Cam Newton really threw the ball was that game a few weeks ago against the Packers when Aaron Rodgers came back and he threw all those interceptions. Cam Newton threw like four touchdown passes, but let's be real here. He's playing the Packers secondary, not particularly good secondary. It's not anybody specifically impressive. All these other games against the Buccaneers, against the Falcons, he's really not slinging the ball around that much. They are a ground and pound team. And I don't think they've excelled in that, particularly on that side of the ball. Like, they've run, but not super well. I mean, McCaffrey is not a good runner. It's not that he can't run. It's just that this is not a guy who you really want running through the tackles. You want Jonathan Stewart to do that. You want Cam Newton to do that. They can. They can get you a third and one. It will happen. And Cam can do like a little Russell Wilson third down magic sometimes. But it comes back to the numbers. You said this yourself. Which one of these teams is going to score more? And I, I cannot see this Panthers team being able to outscore the Saints because as soon as you figure out a way to kind of slow down Ingram and Kamara, Drew Brees throws a touchdown pass to Michael Thomas uh, or Ted Gitt. And let's not forget, yeah, you're right. Let's not forget Michael Thomas is on this team and he's had a friggin' outstanding season. He's just been overshadowed by the running back committee. But I mean, look, 
someone's got to catch all those passes Drew Brees is thrown. And uh, Michael Thomas had 1,200 yards receiving five touchdowns. He can do it if he needs to do it. He's had 1,200 yards receiving this season? Yeah. I mean, it's just really, really under the radar, God. all things considered. I mean, look, he went from being almost a nobody last year to, to this year just friggin' stud. Dude. I'm sorry. He was a stud last year, too, really. True. But I mean, but I mean like, yeah. everything's been overshadowed by this running back duo with the Saints and this defense. I, I mean, I think everybody was just ready for the Saints to be another 7-9 and nine team with a bad defense. And instead, I mean, this NFC – with the quarterback situation in Philadelphia, with the quarterback situation in Minnesota, with the upstart golf, listen, this NFC right now is anybody's fucking game. And this Saints team is just as primed to go to the Super Bowl as anybody in the NFC right now. So that's what sort of, you got to take that into consideration when you're talking about these NFC contenders. I've said it before this season, and ultimately at the end of the day, the only person that can help the Panthers, you know, get over the hump is Cam Newton. He's a star, and he's also still the X factor. Um, really, you know, he has those moments where he can take over games, and he just has all these intangibles, and he does these things that most quarterbacks can't do. Like, they can't really break tackles the way he can. They can't uh, – I mean, I think his arm strength actually gets really overshadowed. I agree. I agree. He can sling it. He can throw it when he needs to. I mean, Devin Funches – as good as he is, I still don't think of as a number one. So really, Cam Newton's going to have to bring that. Just, you know, you can't guard him, you can't trap him in the pocket kind of play is the only way they're going to stay in this game. So, look, I this is probably, of all the matchups we have in wildcard weekend, this is probably the one I'm going to watch with the most interest. Yeah. Just because if anyone can just make you shake your head and go, holy shit, just unbelievable, it's, it's Cam Newton. Yeah, this feels like the best matchup of the weekend. This is just the two closest teams that I think know each other the best. And I mean, it's going to be, it, there's going to be the most fireworks. I mean, divisional matchup, third straight time this season. I love it, baby. Yeah. I'm picking the Saints, man. I'm going to Saints on this one, but I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Cam Newton pulls off some, I wouldn't call it fuckery, but just something amazing. Yes. I mean, he's still Cam Newton. He's still an MVP from a couple of years ago, and you know he's got magic. He's a superstar. At any time, he could pull this game out. At any time is a perfect term. All right. Now we got to shift to the AFC. I feel almost bad talking about it, but sorry, AFC's happening. There are real teams. There's real fans out there with some le- real legitimate contenders who are now have to play on wildcard weekend. Let's start with um, the one which I think has a little bit more meat on the bone, um, the Titans and the Chiefs. Um, okay. Shaka, I'm going to start you off with a couple of things because I've been looking at this matchup. It's an interesting matchup. Uh, because there are some takeaways that I've, I've sort of revealed after looking at these two teams more. So let me start with the Chiefs. The Chiefs, let's go through their season in a real quick you know, overhaul. They were the hottest team in football. They start off the season obliterating the Patriots. They go 5-0. and Alex Smith is the MVP candidate. Kareem Hunt is an MVP candidate. Rookie of the year. Holy shit. Oh, my God. They, they are amazing. Everyone's talking wah-rah. Then they hit a rough patch. They proceed to lose a bunch of dog shit games that are very close. Their defense starts folding like a cheap suit. They can't figure out ways to score. And before you know it, they're 6-6. Six and six. Then they turn the play-calling duties over to Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator, take it away from Andy Reid. They start scoring. They really do. They had that game against the Jets where they put up all those points and Alex Smith throws four touchdowns. But the defense has still was still an issue, and they lose that game. But... Then they get to about, 
then they go on a sling where they, I think they finished the season on four straight victories. Yeah, and it did. was very quiet because no one really wanted to talk about how sh- them anymore because they had sort of, you know, fallen out of love with the, the, the fan base and the consciousness. Oh, they had their hot streak and now they're cold. We forget the fact that they had four convincing wins against teams that weren't terribly dog shit, but, you know, weren't particularly good. They beat teams like the Dolphins and stuff like that. But all four of these games, they were good defensively. A team that was letting up all these points during all these losses all of a sudden starts holding teams to 20 points or less. So the defense starts to come back on. They start to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. They start to end. Since they've turned the play calling duties over to Matt Nagy, they're able to score. Whereas they were not during their losing streak, they were putting up, they had that game against the Giants where they lost 12 to 9. Like they couldn't score. Once Matt Nagy took over, they're scoring 30 points a game. So brings us to a team that is actually kind of clicking at the right time. Kareem Hunt's the last couple of games of the season. He had 100 yards rushing. He's been a monster. And they're able to score the ball, and their defense is coming on at the right time. Now this Tennessee team is, listen, aside from beating the Jags, they were on a three-game losing streak, figuring out ways to lose at the last minute to teams like the Rams and the Niners, uh, inconsistent on the offensive side of the ball. This team can't score. Tennessee, you'd think they'd be able to run the ball. They can't. You'd think they'd be able to consistently pass the ball. They can't. Really, the thing that sticks out is their defense, and their defense has ways of letting up the game in the last in the fourth quarter, as we saw them do against the Rams and the Niners. So this looks like, actually, the Chiefs are a sneaky, really good team that's just going to chew up and spit out the Titans. Shaka, give me some thoughts. What do you think of this matchup? I think my first question here is, Tennessee, how the fuck did you guys get here? I don't know, how man. Is it- possible that this team i mean it just goes to show you how woeful that division is that tennessee is a legit how the hell did two teams come from that division into the playoffs the titans and the jags mind boggling mariota's been not great this year no he hasn't man i looked at his play in december it's been up and down up and down two touchdowns and no turnovers 100 quarterback rating next game he's got two interceptions and a fumble lost and like a 30 quarterback rating and that basically summarizes the Titans' season. Where Mariota goes is where the Titans go. Their running game, I, I think they've had some injuries at the running back position, and it finally kind of stabilized a little bit when they let Derrick Henry take over that starting role. I agree. I, I mean, I, I think I would imagine that he can carry a full season load, but I just don't know in terms of the offensive play calling where they are as a team. I don't know what their identity is as a team. They they don't seem threatening to me. I, they seem to be a team that stockpiled talent and has no freaking clue what to do with it. Yeah. Really and truly. I, I mean, I, I don't really want to discount them and write them off as a bad team. They finished the season 9-7. and seven, But again, I have no idea how they got to 9-7. and seven. I just didn't see anything over the course of the season that particularly terrified me. Um, and look, they're going up against, you said Kansas city. I think once they realize that their, their, their bread and butter on offense really goes through, uh, Kareem hunt and teams respecting him in the run game. Uh, they have an identity. The chiefs know what kind of team they are and their defense has been pretty good. They had a couple of manic lapses during the season that won the game. I remember against the Texans where they just could not stop Deshaun Watson. Yeah. But this team is still. Very, very dangerous on the defensive side. And I think if they can really kind of get Alex Smith, you know, who had, who's had, like, if you look at his numbers, Sam, he's had a really damn solid season. Yeah. 1,000 passing, 26 touchdowns, five picks, 
I would take that in any starting quarterback for any team, any given time. It just doesn't seem to be, you know, it doesn't blow you off the it doesn't blow you off the map. But they're still a really, really good team. And I said at the beginning of the season that they're the dark horse favorites to go to the Super Bowl. Obviously that kind of premonition is really, really weakened over the course of the season, but they are still a scary good team when they have it all together. I uh, I agree. They're a scary good team, and I listen. I think their dark horse idea of going to the Super Bowl is probably going to get shut down when they go against the Patriots. I mean, listen, the last two or three seasons, the Chiefs have done this. Okay, Andy Reid has mustered together a hell of a contender. They get to the playoffs, and then they bunt, they smash into the Steelers or the Patriots and find a way to lose, um, which I think might be their situation again. Sadly, this year, but until they get there. They're still a hell of a competitive team. There's a playoff season team with guys who know, like, if anything, I think you're right. Kareem Hunt's going to thrive, and they're probably just going to pump the whole offense through him. And I think, you know, they'll probably get ahead on Tennessee, and Tennessee's going to have to play from behind, which is something they're terrible at. And, you know, I was looking at Tennessee's schedule. Most of the you asked how the hell did they get to nine and seven? They got to nine and seven because they're beating teams like the Colts. They're beating teams like the Texans without Deshaun Watson. You know they're beating teams like the Raiders, and they've got one or two you know kind of convincing wins against like the Seahawks or something like that during the season. They had like a I think they beat the Jaguars twice twice this season. It's nothing is really convincing about that team, and I. I think when a going gets tough, when you're playing in cold, chilly Kansas City on a Saturday afternoon, you know, I think the Chiefs are going to turn it on. And Andy Reid's never going to get an opportunity to blow his clock management because they'll probably go into that fourth quarter with a lead. And I don't have much faith in Tennessee's ability to, like, you know, come from behind and figure out a way to. This, this is not that Colts team from four or five years ago when Andrew Luck threw, like, eight touchdowns in the second half and they upset yeah. Kansas City. Um, Look, dude, I I'm, mean, I really, I don't really see this one being as competitive as the other games on the schedule. This is one where I expect Kansas City to come in there early and punch Tennessee in the head as many times as they can before they go down. This yeah. should be not necessarily a blowout, but this should be a dominant victory for the Chiefs. Yeah, and, and you know, I think there's like you know, Demarco Murray's got this sprained MCL. I think he wants to try to play. play. Don't don't push it, man. Don't have the guy play. If anything, the team is a little better when they give Derrick Henry the full load. Just let let him run. That might be your best option is just let Derrick Henry run all over that Chiefs defense. Because I'm not saying that they're bad at stuffing the run, but you know that's a, that's a team that Andy Reid's weakness could have. They could just you could rip off two or three sixty yard runs, and all of a sudden, you know Tennessee's really scaring them, and you get them out of a rhythm. That's how you beat an Andy Reid team. But I don't have much faith in Tennessee's ability to do something like that. Yeah, I think this part of it is just the uh, anemic nature of the offense. And I almost imagine the Titans getting a kind of a good role in a drive or a series, and Mariota ends up throwing a pick. You know, just the decision-making yeah. this season's been a little bit iffy for him. And I haven't watched enough uh, Tennessee footage this season, just because it hasn't really been that interesting to really see – What's going on? Is it a timing issue with his receivers? Delaney Walker still had a pretty damn good season as far as tight ends go. But I, I just can't imagine um, what's going on where he – I think he just needs more time with those receivers. But, look, we're in the playoffs. You don't have time. Yeah, and I think it's also – there's there's some decision-making. I think you're seeing growing pains happening with Mariota and Winston. This is, like, what, season three now? Yeah. Yeah, you're seeing a little bit of that happening. Like, not that they can't get better, but they're not – Joe Namath right out the gate. 
it might just be an issue of they need another offensive coordinator out there who can kind of manage Mariota in a better way. And I, I mean, I think he's trying to do too much. He's trying to put the game in his hands, which is admirable. But you've got, you know, you've got players. You got Matthews. You got Henry. You got Demarco Murray when he's healthy. You got Delaney Walker. He has he has a core around him to do great things. I think he's just trying to force it too much. I'm picking the Chiefs. Going Chiefs all the way in this one. This should be easy. All right. Now, the last game is certainly an, an interesting matchup. Probably dog shit from a television ratings perspective. Um, but it is amazing. It is happening. It's actually going to have some some rivalry and some revenge implications with Doug Marone being a former coach of uh, the the Buffalo Bills. But you're going to have the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it's just crazy to have the Bills in the playoffs. It's pretty cool. Um, sad because now LaShawn McCoy is probably not going to play. I mean, you're yeah. a hell of a gutsy player who certainly certainly wanted to drag that team to the playoffs just as much as anybody who's probably not going to play in this game, and especially because he and Tyrod Taylor have been about 99% of the offense for the Bills. Um, this is an interesting matchup. So first time either of these teams have been in the playoffs in quite some time. Uh, Jacksonville comes in. Now, this is interesting because – a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Jacksonville was on a roll. But then Blake Bortles bortled the shit up, man. I mean, they're still the best defense in the league. They're still, you know, now with Marcel Darius coming over from Buffalo. They're a run-stuffing defense, which is something they weren't in the beginning of the season. And they have an amazing secondary. So this defense is really so opportunistic they could win any one of these games. That's why I kind of think I'm going to give. I'm still going to favor them over this Buffalo team because their defense is so suffocating. The thing that fucking scares me is Blake Bortles because he still seems to have the ability to give the game away at any at any conceivable moment. Whether yeah. it's a fumble, whether it's a turnover, whether it's an interception, this guy still seems to get trigger happy in wanting to lose the game. And Buffalo, listen, they're going to hang their hat on their defense. They have a good defense. They've got Tredavious White. I mean, they've these guys who have been on Buffalo forever are actually playing well and... Again, going back to the offense, without McCoy, you start to really lose something because there's not really much of an offense to speak of in Buffalo. You know, Tyrod Taylor's creative, but, you know, he's kind of like a poor man's Russell Wilson. He's just doing everything he can to not turn the ball over and get some passing yards out of a team that really is is really just a ground-and-pound, defensive-oriented Bills team that's lucky to be in the playoffs. Um, so... I, like I'm leaning towards the Jaguars just because I think they'll find enough turnovers and kick enough field goals to keep themselves ahead of this game. But why do I feel like Blake Bortles could be throwing fourth quarter interceptions that make this a 10-13 game with five minutes left to play? Give me some thoughts here, Shaka. I'm trying to find a way to put this into words. I've been trying to do it since you and I, before you and I got on this podcast. This, in theory, should be the most intriguing game out of the wild card weekend, just because, like you said, these two teams have not been in the playoffs in so long. But I feel, even regardless of who takes this, Bills or the Jaguars, I'm still going to be kind of bored with both of these teams. Um, and yeah, just, I, I agree. Uh, look, Blake Bortles, in the last two games, has five picks, two touchdowns. Oh. I mean, that I saw a lot of that 49ers game, and holy shit, did that scare me. I mean, I, granted, Jimmy Garoppolo has been a revelation out there. We all thought he was going to be good, but, I mean, he's been... He's been really good. Particularly well for a guy who came over midseason and, you know, just thrust into starting job with a new team. But, I, I mean, Bortles just... 
I don't know if it's the nerves. I don't know if he's got a case of the yips. I don't know what's going on. But he's making that Jacksonville team that looked so so solid, so stoic, you know, coming down the, the, the end of the road here in the regular season. They're looking a little wobbly again. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, and then the other side, I, 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 I like what you said about Tyrod Taylor because I was really thinking about that. And I, he's just that kind of guy I imagine just kind of takes what he's got and just makes the most out of it. He's that guy who's kicking, you know, the shitty vending machine to get the crappy, you know, stale cookies out of the box. Just because that's the only thing he has. That's, yeah, basically there's not much left on the menu. And, and the fact that LaShawn McCoy, I mean, I don't know if he's going to play or not, but they have to hope he does because I have no idea how Tyrod Taylor is going to squeeze out any points with this team. I, I Look, I like Zay Jones. But I just don't think he's he's a good matchup for um for the kind of uh, game that uh, that they employ. He's more of like a wide receiver who used with a, a Peterman. You know, he, he likes that traditional in the pocket quarterback. I don't think he's really comfortable with a, a quarterback who scrambles and you know throws on the run. And he he really doesn't get that kind of separation. He's not used to the kind of game that you see from Russell Wilson in Seattle. So I really, really hope on the for the Bills' sake that they can get McCoy to to play in this game because I, look, if you're gonna have a moment of vulnerability right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, now's the time when you know Boyles isn't looking at his best. I think there's gonna be a lot, lots of punts in this game. It's gonna be ugly. I, I'm not gonna lie. I have a funny feeling it's gonna be ugly. We might be looking at like a 9-7 score or like a 9-13 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think actually Jacksonville, I just think they're going to put more points on defensively. Like, I feel like there's going to be, like, I don't see Tyrod Taylor turning the ball over that much. He's just really good at at not turning the ball over. He's particular, like, we saw that. Like, you know, we saw how much Peterman turned the ball over and then, you know, Tyrod went back in. He's good at protecting the ball. So I kind of feel like, I feel like the running back is going to fumble it for the Bills. I feel like there's going to be, you know, an all-out blitz where Tyrod Tiller gets strip-sacked fumbled, you know, and that's going to put them in a, a position to kick a quick field goal or get a pick six or something like that. Um, I but, think it's an actually fair. That's, I, I hadn't really given that much consideration, and now that you put it that way, I, I'm definitely seeing, like, it's the only way you can kind of get the football away from Tyra Taylor. He definitely, I think he has more fumbles than he does interceptions yeah. on the season, which is impressive. I mean, all things considered. But, again, I, when you're you're trying to figure out how to throw it, to, I mean, it just leaves you so much hang time in the pocket that, yeah, you're right. This, this Jacksonville defense is just that aggressive and that hungry. They can make the most out of an opportunity. And that's sort of why I think <clears> – <throat> they're going to get away with Blake Bortles being Blake Bortles. Um, I don't think they're going to get away with it against the Steelers or the Patriots, but against a team like the Bills, I mean, they'll figure out a way. Like, their defense is going to be too suffocated. Like, it's just Bortles and the Bills' defense, that'll be an interesting show, but no matter what happens, they're going to figure out a way to put more points on the board than the Bills. That's just how I see it. Yeah, I, I think uh, as good as Tredavious White's been this season, I, I think that uh, Jacksonville has just enough offensive weapon that they can kind of I, I, they can have basically an answer for in the passing game. I don't know how they're going to do on the run game wise. Um, I'm just trying to figure out is uh, Leonard for that is, is he? He's got a little bit of an injury. He issue. should be fine. I don't. I haven't heard I any reason he's why he's not playing. Play. 
I think he's going to play. He's had an, uh, speaking of, you know, these rookies, uh, another outstanding rookie campaign. Outstanding um, I year. I think he's going to be okay. He hasn't played in every game this season, and he's still over 1,000 yards. Jeez, that's a hell of a year. Pay that man. Give give him, <clears throat> give him some incentive-laden bonus. Yeah, I, I they have to. This Jacksonville team, I, I really think they kind of found the, the missing link when they put him in the offense. Dude, and they really they both of these teams, kudos on a great season, making the playoffs. They both deserved it, even though I don't think everybody out there wanted these teams in the playoffs. Yeah. They I earned think it. that's really what it boils down to. I'm picking the Jaguars. Going to Jags on this one myself. Wow, can't believe I'm picking the Jaguars to win a playoff game, but it's actually happening. <laughs> this is where we've come. All right, uh, dude, that's all we got for Wild Card Weekend. We gotta get out of here. I'm coughing up a a storm here. Jeez, I'm just trying to make it over. You know, nothing like the the winter time and the brand new year to bring a cough and a hack and some, you know, common cold to wash through our systems, right? Amen. Okay, guys, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend and our picks. That's right, Shaka and I have officially picked all of the home teams this weekend. It's hard not to when you look at these matchups. Yeah, um, I saw this one coming from the outset. It's it's just hard. It's hard to go against the wave. Yeah, and listen, <clears throat> we'd tell you if we thought one of these wild card teams was ready to spook somebody, but I mean, that's just how it shook out. It, you know, there's some powerhouses that are that won their divisions, and I mean. I mean, they played some, it's been a good season. I think there's all, you know, if there's upsets, that just means more exciting football going on. Yeah. Good luck to all the teams that have made it so far. Congratulations. Yeah. Great season. Great season. Now the playoffs begin, baby. Uh, as always, subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Email Shaka and I with any mailbag questions or just to talk some trash at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Oh, that's all I got. Everyone, enjoy Wild Card Weekend. Give us your thoughts on it. We'll be back next week to rip it apart and talk about Divisional Weekend, give you some winners for that weekend, see how well we picked with our winners this weekend. But enjoy. We'll be back next week. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. Take care, guys.